loving in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our help is in the name of Jehovah, who made heaven and earth. Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied unto you from God the Father, and from Jesus Christ, our Lord, through the operation of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And from the chapter we read, Luke 17, verse 32. Luke 17, verse 32, where the word of God says to us, Remember Lot's wife. That we are living in perilous times, beloved. And not one of us could question the repeated eruptions of Mount St. Helens is evidence of the power of the living God who tells us that soon the whole world will erupt in smoke and consuming fire. A drought sweeps the Midwest. They tell us one of the worst droughts of history. Daily we read of floods, famines, earthquakes, tornadoes, and every form of destruction. The whole world is in a turmoil. Nation rising against nation. Striving for supremacy. So that it can well be said that we are sitting on a powder keg. With the fuse already lit. Our own nation. Is bankrupt. And so that we experience recessions and inflations. And even those in positions of power really don't know where to turn. The Lord is putting man into utter confusion. Not only in our land, but over the whole earth. Signs of the times. Signs which scripture give us and gives us in such abundance. You have all the signs that are mentioned in Matthew 24. Here in Luke. Mentioned again in Thessalonians. The epistle to the Thessalonians. In Revelation. Many passages of scripture. The point of view of our text is particularly the end of the ages. The time of the coming of the Son of Man. The Lord tells us about his coming and about conditions in the world when he comes. He tells us first of all that the kingdom of God is not coming with a great fanfare, with flags waving, beating of drums, marching of troops, with a display of power that appeals to men. The kingdom of heaven, he says, is within you. And when the last elect has been gathered in and prepared for glory, the Lord will come to take his church unto himself in the glory prepared for them before the world was. 
as far as the conditions in the world are concerned. It will be like the days of Noah, like the days of Lot. Men will be eating, drinking, building houses, working their farms, buying and selling, marrying and giving in marriage. Until the very day that the Son of Man appears. For he will come. Like lightning. That flashes from one end of the heavens to the other. To bring his church into glory through judgment. By his judgment upon the world. In that day. Jesus warns us. Don't be complacent. The one will be taken. The other left. Whether that be in the home. Whether that be at the mill. Whether that be in the field. But be ye ready. Waiting. Prepare. In one word as in the words of our text. Remember Lot's wife. I'd like to call your attention to that this evening. Remember Lot's wife. I'd like to have you notice with me, first of all, that wife of Lot. Secondly, her sudden destruction. And finally, the calling for us. Lot, you know, was a nephew of Abraham who came with Abraham out of her, the Chaldees. And when the rest of the family settled in Haran, Lot accompanied Abraham into Canaan, the promised land. That God had richly blessed Abraham and given him many cattle, sheep, possessions of every kind. And Lot also shared in that abundance so that the time came when Abraham and Lot could not stay together. Because the herdsmen were struggling one against the other, fighting constantly. It was on Abraham's suggestion that they should separate. And so Lot left the covenant family of Abraham to live by himself. We should bear in mind, as scripture always stresses, that Lot was a righteous man. I'd almost say that's about all you could say for him. And the amazing part of it is that God declared him righteous. That is, God included him in the covenant. God called himself the God of Abraham, the God of Lot. And therefore, God regarded Lot too in the coming Savior, in the atoning death of the cross. So that Lot's sins, which are many, were blotted out before God in the coming of the Savior. Lot had that assurance in his own heart. And Lot realized it. 
Scripture speaks of a righteous soul. Of the fact that in all his weaknesses and in all his sins, he still, deep down in his heart, had the assurance, the amazing assurance, God loves me. Not out of any merit of my own. By grace. And I can conceive of the fact, beloved, that that Lot often wet his pillow with tears. Of sorrow and repentance. And yet, was enmeshed in sin of his own making. The first wrong step of Lot was obviously that he chose the well-watered plains of Sodom. Oh, it was a beautiful country. And there, near the end of the Jordan River, was a fertile land. Scripture even compares it to Egypt and to the Garden of Eden in its beauty and in its fertility. Lot was drawn to that country. Oh, yes, yes, he must have known. He must have known about Sodom. He must have known about Gomorrah and all their wickedness. But it was a beautiful country, a fertile country, where he knew he could prosper. That was his first mistake, that he went to live near Sodom. Oh, not in it. No, Lot didn't want to go into Sodom. He was only going to get near it, you know. Just on the outskirts. Right on the periphery. No, he wouldn't have anything in common with Sodom. His conscience told him that. He lived near Sodom. His second mistake was that he found himself a wife in Sodom. He must have spent some 20 years there, you know, more or less. And he married a wife of Sodom. Took that wife into his covenant home. And evidently tried to teach her God, the true God, the God of Abraham, the God of Noah, of Adam. Don't forget that the Lord knew that he was not a part of Sodom, that he might never involve himself in the wickedness of Sodom, And he must have tried to impress that on his wife's mind. But there was Sodom. A wicked city. Already in Genesis 13 we are told that the wickedness of Sodom was very great. Later we read that The abominable wickedness of Sodom cried to heaven. God in heaven heard the cry of their wickedness. Sodom, you know, was of the world. In Sodom they served idols. In Sodom, they wanted no part of the God of Abraham. Still worse. 
In Sodom you found the most abominable sin that ever is found among mankind. Scripture tells us that the sin against the seventh commandment is such a grievous sin because it affects the body. It involves man's body. Uh, But when men in all their rebellion against God and against God's law begin to defy nature and turn to what Scripture calls the most horrible of sins, men with men doing that which is unseemly, Women with women, destroying the natural use of the body, corrupt themselves one with another. Oh, Sodom was so well known for that, that today yet you hear speaking of sodomy. When referring to that sin that now is condoned in the world and condoned in many churches, that was Sodom. And Lot had moved near Sodom. Oh, the Lord had warned him. It wasn't as if he had never received a warning from the Lord. The kings of the north had come and had taken Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighboring cities captive. And Lot and his wife and his children went off to become slaves of a heathen king of the north. And if it hadn't been for Abraham's intervention and the power of God that worked through Abraham to deliver Lot and his family, he would have succumbed as a slave in a foreign country. Did he heed it? Not at all. Upon his return, he went back to Sodom. Oh, he probably had to regain some cattle and some sheep, which he had lost. And probably, he told himself, just a few years, just a little while, just a little more cattle, a little more sheep, a little more riches, and then we have to move away. There was one thing in Lot's wife, in Lot's life, that became a very great hindrance, a stumbling block to him. And that was Lot's wife. We don't know much about her. We don't even know her name. But we know this, that she loved the things of this world. And through her influence, Lot not only lived in near Sodom, but was drawn into Sodom. So that he built his house there. While Abraham dwelt in a tent, Lot had his home. And when you build your home, you know, you establish a rather definite settlement. Lot was settled in the city of Sodom. And Lot's wife, even though she was in a covenant home, 
And even though her husband was righteous and tried to maintain his righteousness in a wicked world, oh, he was known for that. The men of Sodom knew what kind of a man he was, knew that he was a stranger, knew that he objected to their way of living. But Lot could object all he wanted. But Lot's wife was drawn by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That, beloved, was Lot's wife. The day of destruction came. You know, after the Lord had visited Abraham and assured Abraham that he was the, his God who keeps covenant and that God would give him a son and that his Generations would be perpetuated even until Christ should come and until the whole church would be gathered in a multitude that no man could number in the promised land of heaven. God also told Abraham about the destruction of Sodom. The angel of Jehovah says, I will go down and see. And if the wickedness be as I have heard it in heaven, I will destroy that city. No, the Sodom is not the very worst, you know. There are worse cities, worse evils, even then were manifest in Sodom, although basically the same. It's quite remarkable. And that scripture refers to Sodom some 20 times and always refers to Sodom as a symbol, a token of wickedness, something to be hated and despised. In fact, when Israel falls into fornication along with their idolatry and commits every abomination under heaven, then the Lord says that they have become like Sodom and they have become like Gomorrah, only still more corrupt. Now Jesus tells us of the generation of his day, that it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that generation that crucified the Christ. After all, breach of covenant. Despising in transgressing God's covenant. is worse than the sodomy of Sodom. And the sin of Lot's wife was greater than the sins of Sodom even. Because she had heard the word and she knew the way. In fact, the scripture even goes on to tell us that as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the day of the Son of Man. Sodom will reveal itself in all its corruption, in all its wickedness in this world before our Lord comes again. But for Sodom, the measure of iniquity was full. For that day, that people had committed all the sins 
God had determined for that. And therefore, when the two angels come to Sodom, the wickedness of Sodom reveals itself even in death. You know, how all the men of the city, and it's emphasized, all the men, young and old, clamored about the house to misuse those two angels, those two men who had come under Lot's roof. And you and I, of course, can only wonder whether the sons-in-law of Lot, of Lot, the daughters' husbands or to-be husbands were among them. If you take scripture literally, then those sons-in-law were also there around that house. Anyway, Scripture doesn't stress the destruction of Sodom nearly as much as the destruction of Lot's wife. All night long, the angels were hurrying them on, spurring them on. Come on, get out. Come on, you have to go. We can't do anything until you're out. And you can imagine that Lot was reluctant to go. Oh, he had worked so hard for those cattle and sheep. For his house, for his possessions. And the very thought of leaving them all behind and going away naked and empty. Seared his already troubled soul. But you can imagine, too, that Lot's wife and daughters were scurrying through the house. I can almost imagine that they were running from one end of the house to the other, uh, gathering their valuables, stacking them up by the door, telling each other, oh, we can't leave this behind, we can't leave that behind, we need our nice clothing, we need our jewels, we need this, we need that. Because, beloved, Lot's wife had been a bad influence for her daughters. Don't forget, so mother, so daughters. Some are of the opinion that there were four. That two daughters were married and that they also were encouraged to come along but stayed behind with the sons-in-law. Others are of the opinion, and I rather favor that, that there were only two daughters engaged to be married to men of Sodom. Sodomites. But Lot's daughters were like their mother. Oh, I can just imagine, beloved, that Lot would say no to his daughters. And Lot's wife would say, go ahead. Lot would want to maintain that they should be separate. And Lot's wife said, oh, you can't do that to those young girls. They have to have some fun, you know. They have to have a good time. They're young only once. To put it in our present language, I suppose, that Lot's wife told her daughters, sure, that's all right that you wear short, short jeans, low neck blouses, everybody does. Sure, it's all right if you go to an occasional movie or look at, at it on TV. 
Sure, it's okay if you read novels full of sex. Listen to rock and roll. After all, we're in the world. We have to make the best of it. And beloved, I wonder. Seriously, I wonder. If tonight, down there in hell, Lot's daughters are not rebuking their mother for having been so lenient, for having been so kind, for allowing them to have their way, for leading them in the way of sin. Death and hell. Anyway, the angel couldn't, angels couldn't wait any longer. And finally they take hold of Lot and they take hold of Lot's wife. And the two daughters. I suppose each angel had one by the hand and said, now leave everything. Forget it. And took them by the hand and led them out of the city naked. Nothing but the clothes on the back. And told them, and now go, get away. As fast as you can and as far as you can. Because this city will be destroyed. Behind were left the sons-in-law who mocked. With a Grin on their faces, they said, ah, that can't happen to our nice city. God wouldn't do that to us. We don't believe it. But Lot, his wife, and his two daughters were literally dragged out. Why? Not because they deserved it. Dragged out, beloved, because there was one among them that was righteous for his sake. And he surely didn't merit that righteousness by any means, no more than you or I do. You know, Abraham had prayed. He had not prayed for Sodom. He had prayed that God would be righteous. He had asked, Lord, if there be 50 righteous, will you destroy the city? And the Lord says, no. If there be 45 or 40 or 35 or 30 or 10. And the Lord says, no, I wouldn't destroy the righteous ever. But there weren't 10. There was only one. And God took that righteous one out. Lot's wife came along. But she disobeyed the angels. The angels had said, Don't you dare to turn around, but flee. Lot's wife took one last glance. Oh, you say that wasn't so bad, was it? You and I would likely do the same. What's wrong, really? With just turning her head and taking one last look at that city. Well, beloved, that filled the cup of iniquity that Lot's wife was busily filling up. No, it wasn't merely that last glance. But that last look was evidence of her whole life. Was evidence of what was foremost in her soul. She loved the things of this world and she couldn't part with them. And when she was driven out, she had to take one more look. And you know what happened? 
She became a pillar of salt. A monument of her own wickedness. Her own emptiness. The hardness of her heart. A monument of the righteous judgment of the living God. She became a part of that city. Because God poured out fire and brimstone from heaven. And consumed everything. Cattle and sheep and houses and everything. Until Sodom became a very picture of hell itself. A picture of utter desolation. A testimony of the consuming wrath of the righteous God. Who judges righteously. And that's why scripture comes. And scripture says to us, remember. Remember. Don't you forget it. Don't ever let it escape your mind. Remember Lot's wife. The context is, of course, the end of the ages. And when that end of the ages comes, beloved, two things will happen almost simultaneously, if not simultaneously. First of all, there will be the sign of the Son of Man. Christ. As the Lord of glory, the old sovereign Lord, with all the power, holiness, righteousness of the living God. And every eye will see him, because it's a sign that will appear over the whole earth. You can philosophize all you want to about a round world, it makes no difference. God is able to make that sign appear over the whole earth. And it will too. And when the Lord of glory appears, as Lord of heaven and earth, he will gather his own unto himself. The church will be taken up. Like Noah was taken into the ark. As Lot was delivered from Sodom. And when the church is taken up into glory. Ready to come with the son of man to judge the world. Then the Lord will come as a consuming fire. We're told in in Peter's epistle that the heavens will be rolled up as a scroll and the elements will burn with consuming fire and all the beautiful buildings and all the power and glory of man will be consumed. The whole world will perish in that great conflagration which is only the end that you have in Sodom and Gomorrah. Christ will be given the judgment of the living God and the church will be delivered through judgment. Therefore, in the gospel according to Luke, we're told three things. First of all, 
that the coming of the Son of Man will be like a thief in the night. They will be eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, building and sowing, Even unto that same night when the Lord appears. Oh, you say, what's so wrong? What's so wrong about eating and drinking? About marrying and giving in marriage? Sowing and planting, building. Beloved, the wrong is in it that the world will have sought herself. Sought the treasures and pleasures of sin. Until the measure of her iniquity is full. There, was no, there will be no thought of God. In her heart. No fear of God. Not even a semblance. Revelation tells us. Not even a pretense of conversion or repentance. As you had in Ahab when he walked in sackcloth and ashes. The world will have filled herself to the full. With her lust and her pleasures. Will it come to a dead end road? And you can see today that she is hastening toward that dead end road. Vanity of vanities. Because the Lord of heaven and earth has carried out the counsel of the living God also through them. In the second place, there's the warning. Be ready. Seek the things above. Where your treasure is, there shall your heart be also. In that day when the Son of Man comes, let him who is on the rooftop not come down to take anything out of his house. He is in the field. Who is in the field? Let him not run home to pick up a few treasures yet. You will, you know. You will if your heart is set on your nice home. On your beautiful furniture. On your compass, your trailers. On your jewelry. Or your money. Your stocks. Your first thought will be, I have to salvage them. But the Lord says, you do that. And you perish. Seek the things above. Where Christ is. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness. And the Lord will throw in all the rest as you need it. Finally, beware of false security, of sinful complacency. Remember Lot's wife. Two will be in the same bed. The one will be taken. The other left. Two will be in the field. The one will be taken. The other left. God knows his own. And beloved, the wonder of grace is that the righteous are saved. The unrighteous 
perish in their sins. There's another remember in scripture. In the parable of the rich fool. When the rich fool is in hell. The Lord says to him. Son. Remember. Oh that's all. That cuts to the quick. When the Lord says. Son. You who pretended to be in a covenant home, in the church, professed to be a Christian. Son, remember, thou hast had thy good things, the things you wanted in this life while you had it. Now weep. Now gnash your teeth. Now bow under the righteous judgment of the living God. Blessed, beloved. Oh, ten times blessed. Is he whose name is written in the book of life. For whom Christ died. And who has in his soul the assurance that when he confesses his sin and forsakes them, he finds mercy, forgiveness, righteous, only in Christ. Amen. O God of our salvation, since thou dost love the right, thou wilt in answer send us in wondrous deeds of might. Give us, Lord, to be watchful, waiting, persevering, willing to suffer, Reproach and shame with our treasure in heaven, waiting for the coming of the Son of Man, that when he comes, he may find us ready. Give that thy word may remain in our hearts from day to day, and be our sure guide. The lamp before our feet, the power unto our salvation, in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We sing number 259. Sing to the Lord, sing his praise, all ye peoples. New be your song as new honors ye pay. Sing of his majesty. Bless him forever. Show his salvation from day to day. We sing the stanzas one, four, and six. One, four, and six of 259.
refreshed thee and keep thee. The Lord lift his countenance upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord cause his face to shine upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.